Are you stretching before we record? Yeah. That's actually a really good fucking idea. Hey there. Hey. And welcome to the Wonder Binge Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about some shit, you know? It, that silence was so peaceful that I didn't want it to end. I was lost in your eyes. Wow. It's disgusting. I was actually kind of lost in the peripheral of your shirt. I can't stop looking at your it's shirt. It's a good shirt. Genevieve, did you know that the last time we recorded, you had just gotten Little Artie. We had not yet put out any episodes. And now you live in an apartment <laughs> with with Artie, who is now a slightly bigger girl. Oh, yeah. And we have released episodes. And we have, like, seven people. (laughs) (laughs) We have, like, seven followers. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners. I have learned in this time period that uh, I don't have to worry about being inappropriate and a a bad person. I wanted wanted to say bad boy, and I was like, I'm not a bad boy. (laughs) But I also don't want to say bad girl, because I hate that. Um... But I hate, kind of hate both because bad boy sounds like a like a snotty nosed little boy, but then bad girl sounds like it, I just think of what's her face wearing leather from Greece. I was gonna say they both sound sexy. Oh no, I have two very different images when you say bad boy and bad girl. What about bad boy spelled B O I? I think of like an emo kid just being weird. That's okay. So I didn't want to be a bad boy. Um, <laughs> you are but now. An emo I realize boy being weird. Um, None of my family is listening to this. I mean, Chris, hey, how you doing? You're probably the only one. Oh my god, um, hey, Chris. Uh, we're talking about that? your coffee shirt right now. It's very exciting. I bleach dyed it. I'll send you a picture at some point. I'll know I'll know that you listen to this if you text me and ask me to send you a picture of the shirt. Um, <laughs> this is your test. <laughs> this is your test. But the other day, I was doing notes, and my dad was like, what are you doing? And I was like, working. And he goes... We mean working. Like, <laughs> you don't fucking work. It's a <laughs> pandemic, bitch. <laughs> like, oh, also the last time we recorded. Oh, it was a pandemic. Pre- it was pre-pandemic last yeah. time we recorded too. Yeah. Yeah, but we didn't release until after the pandemic happened. So this is a lot has changed since we changed since we've last recorded. I think we recorded literally like six months ago. Yeah. Oh, fun update for all the cool cat listeners. Um Levi has continued to mow our lawn, <laughs> so much so that my mother is ashamed enough to, uh, my dad's Father's Day present is that we're getting, we're purchasing lawn care so that our neighbor doesn't have to keep mowing our lawn. Um, but anyway, I don't have to worry about being a bad boy because at that time when my dad asked about it, I was like, dad, do you even listen? And he was like, where, where do I find it? He said, where do I find it? As though asking so that he could listen to it. And I said... Anchor and Spotify and now on Stitcher. And he goes, I don't do that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, download the app or something if you want to listen to it. And he goes, I don't do that. And I'm like, what do you do, dad? And he goes, YouTube. I'm like, we're not on YouTube, dad. I mean, I guess we got to go on YouTube. No, because I don't want my dad. <laughs> I don't want my dad here. <laughs> I don't want my dad. Listen, I love my dad. He's the best. Uh, I don't want my dad. He's my papa. But <laughs> I don't need him listening to this garbage. I don't need. I don't need my dad. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, God. Anyway. Um. Yeah, we're on Stitcher now, you guys. 
trying to be on Apple and Google. Yeah, we need to figure our shit out. I, you know what? I, I tried, and oh, I don't know. I subscribed and did the whole kit and caboodle, and it just didn't go through. But anyway, now that we're out and we, like, know a little bit of what's going on, I feel decent about this. If anyone <laughs> knows me ever, I need validation, but don't give me attention. Those hey, man. Are, yeah, validation, but not attention. Of my life. Validation, but not attention. Thank you. You are a millennial. You are the epitome of millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I had the biggest amount of validation from my brother because James does not listen to podcasts at all. And he was like, you know what? In support, I'll, like, I'll listen to a couple of your episodes. And he comes back to me. He's like, you know what? I really enjoyed those. I'm like, okay, you either really do like like our podcast or you've liked podcasts this whole time and you just never gave them a chance. Well, he he sort of back of his brain listens to and that's why we drink when you're playing it. And that's he thinks true. that it's us talking. That's true. <laughs> the amount of times people have walked in and be like, are you listening to your own podcast? I'm like, fuck no, I don't do that. <laughs> when I'm editing it, sure. <laughs> I do. You you probably have been desensitized because you edit it, but I'm so impressed by your editing, and I genuinely find us hilarious, which <laughs> uh, I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> Maria, you are on the road to self-validation. You don't need others. Here's the thing. Love that. I definitely still need others. Oh, please. that was utter sarcasm. <laughs> Did you not get that from my praying hands? I'm on Jenna's really squeaky futon, so I'm sorry. It was a hand-me-down, man. I can't wait to uh, be offered this to sleep on whenever I sleep over and <laughs> opt for the couch instead. <laughs> hey, welcome to Wonderbend. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Wonderbend. Um, this is exciting. I'm having a great time. Oh, I'm Maria. Hey, how's it going? I'm sorry I'm so casual now. I'm like, <laughs> you even have your arm across I'm the like back famous of the futon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with our jank-ass setup. Well... This not is the not first. the first jank setup. This is definitely the jankiest of This is setups. the jankiest. Because originally it was just open air mic between us. Now we have two mics. And I can't say it sounds better, but I it's nice not being right up against you, especially since it's so freaking Yeah, I kind of enjoy the distance. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I feel more casual about it because I felt like I had to lean into the mic more. Yeah. But I also had felt like I had to, like, give you your personal bubble. Thank you for respecting my bubble. Okay, well, so Maria's going today. I, seriously, if this podcast became just, like, you talking and me being here no. for support, I'd be like, I'd be okay with that. I fucking love your stories, dog. I feel like my stories are just blah. Stop. I'll punch you in the face. And that'll be a shame, because you have a beautiful face. You'll break my glasses. Good. I'm more upset about that. These are expensive. They're actually really good glasses. Thank you. They're big and fat and 70 vibes. They're like 70 serial killer vibes. That's my aesthetic. <laughs> I <killer>. love it. <laughs> Should I tell you a story? More than anything in this entire world, I want you to tell me a story right oh now. Oh boy! Okay, I'm excited. This is this is a really nice, uh, not that nice. <laughs> it's actually like you fucking lied fucked to me. up. <laughs> hey, hey, the world's pretty fucked up right now. Might as well just keep going. Facts, dog. We've this got is... we've got COVID. We've got aliens. We've got killer bees. We've got freaking race things happening like crazy right now, which, hell yeah, we're protesting. I, I'm hopeful. Manifest, queen. The world is changing in a good way. And we're here. We're here to support. Fuck yeah. Anyway. I'm going to tell you the story of the eccentric and particularly badass life of a 17th century woman by the name of Julie de Albany. De Albany? De Albany. 
Daubeny. Or Daubeny. Um, so. What language is that? Uh, this is, this takes place in France. Oh and boy. French is the worst language for me. Um, <laughs> as we heard in the Sukushimbutsu episode, I'm decent with Japanese words. Uh, as we heard in the Dia de los Muertos episode, I'm decent with Spanish words. French words can suck my dick. I cannot. My mouth cannot form them. I am incapable. So I am so sorry. I looked up pronunciations and was physically incapable of doing it. So I'm just gonna try <laughs> and it'll just be bad. It's That's- gonna be very Americanized and shitty. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Hey, all we can ask you to do is try, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, real talk, guys, Maria spent a good ten minutes in my living room while I set up this jank-ass thing, <laughs> just listening to certain words. Like, she, I just heard Google Translate going, <laughs> in the background as I was trying to set up. It was bad. Um, but yeah, this is Julie de Aubigny, Okay. also known as Mademoiselle Maupin, or La Maupin. I don't know if I've heard of her. I don't know if you have either. But her exact date of birth is unknown, but she is thought to have been born sometime around 1673 in or around Paris, France. Okay. And she spent the beginning of her life living at the riding school at the Tuileries Palace in Paris. Okay. So her father was Gaston de Aubigny. He was secretary to King Louis XIV's Master of Horse. Um, a French noble named Louis de Lorraine Guise, a.k.a. Count de Almanac. Okay. I'm going to call him the Count or de Almanac. I like the Count. <laughs> it makes me think of um, uh, Count... Oh. One! Yes, uh, him! Uh, uh. <laughs> the Count from like, the freaking Muppets or Sesame Street. <laughs> so, around 1682, um, about... I can do simple math. Can you? Can I? You're staring, you're concentrating a little too hard on the screen right now. When she was nine. (laughs) Sorry. Around 1682, when she was like nine, her and her father moved with the court to Versailles, where she grew up in the Great Stables. So she's, she's living in the court of King Louis. So her father, in addition to being a secretary to the Master of Horse, was also a swordsman who trained the court pages. So wait, so he was... He was a horse master and a swordsman? No, he was the secretary to the horse master. So he did the horse master's paperwork? Yes. Okay. And he was also a swordsman. Okay, so he's a he's a badass sword fighting secretary. Yes, he is. And she's the princess? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not really, but like she was on a rejected princess's like website. <laughs> That's wait, what? That's not a like thing? actually, but like her story is cool enough that she really should be, like, a badass Disney princess or something. Oh, shit. Okay. So, as a consequence of proximity, Julie was trained alongside the boys in dancing, reading, drawing, and fencing. She dressed not in the effeminate dresses of the time, but in the same pants and such as the pages, and she continued doing that for the rest of her life, dressing as a man. We stand. Um, And she (laughs) excelled at fencing from the start. She was really good at swordsmanship. Cool. So at the age of 14, the Count. Dracula. The Master of Horses, I'm sure you remember. Oh, right. uh, Took Julie as a mistress, and she was so unruly and, like, 
boyish mm-hmm. that he decided he would find her a husband to kind of calm her down. Oh, yeah. Classic. Right? So her new husband was Sieur de Maupin, a timid man who, on the morning after their wedding, was sent away to the provinces to a job as a tax collector. So she, hang on, this badass, cool woman married a boring tax collector? Uh-huh. Because she was too unruly. Dude, she probably ate this man alive. <laughs> they were only together a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure he was like, <laughs> the first night they spent together, he went, you're way too fucking much. I'm going over here. We can still be married. You can do whatever the fuck you want, but I'm going over here. You have no idea how on point you are. So. <laughs> really? Yeah. So- I mean, I felt, I felt a connection in my soul to Julie right away. <laughs> Unruly? Got it. Uh, Always with the guys? Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, actually, you might be her. Hang on. So this is how she becomes Madame de Maupin, or as in French custom, simply La Maupin. La Maupin. So. I'm sorry, I'm hearing La Maupin. (laughs) La Maupin. (laughs) Just a llama brooch. All right. (laughs) Okay, so this next paragraph is literally like what you just said. No. So already this is a super dope girl who can fence and wear pants and fight and ride horses at only 14 years old in 1680s France. So seeing as her new husband was boring as hell in comparison, she stayed behind with the Count. Okay. That is at least how I like to look at it. Other accounts say that the Count kept her in Paris for his own purposes. Oh. You know, like a bad guy. Oh, he's the villain. Oh, so he is a vampire. I'm sorry. Not all vampires are bad guys. Not all vampires are... Not all, hashtag not all vampires. <laughs> oh, but like I said, this girl is too cool for these chumps, and she straight up gets bored of the count. <laughs> so she decides in around 1687 that she's going to run away with a new man's, an assistant fencing master called... <coughs> So this is one of the words I was looking up. Oh no. And I was like, or something like that. I can't say French words. I'm just going to call him Saran. So uh, an assistant fencing master named Saran, who fled the police after killing a man in an illegal duel. They ended up heading south to Marseille, where they struggled financially, something Julie, being born and raised in the court of King Louis, was not used to. Oh, she wasn't used to being poor. Because she, yeah, she was like in the court of the king. Yeah. Her whole life. So. What do you mean? She wore pants. She, she did wear pants. <laughs> like a rich bitch. <laughs> only rich women can wear pants. If only. <laughs> or not if only. That's the that opposite. would be horrible. That's the opposite sentiment We'd of We'd have idea. to be wearing dresses all the time and that would oh suck. God, I don't even own shorts. Like. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, so during travel, they made what little money they could by being a badass fighting power couple and giving fencing demonstrations at fairs and at taverns, as well as Julie singing and performing where she could. Shut the fuck up. She was a singer too? Uh Uh-huh. This girl. I'm so excited to tell you more. I'm a little in love with her, (laughs) Loki. So at this point, she's about 14 to 15 years old. Shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. All right. Wait, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say she got married? At 14, yeah. At 14. At 14, the Count found her husband. Oh, I think I just totally missed that part. Fuck that dude. No wonder she got bored of him. Right? He was probably trying to, like, straighten her out so bad. Mm -hmm. I would leave too. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, So she's 14 to 15 years old now. She's still dressing in men's clothing, but she was not actively trying to hide that she was a woman. She wasn't, like, in disguise. She was just, like, a lady wearing dude clothes. 
So there's one story where after giving a fencing demonstration, a man in the tavern refused to believe that she was actually a woman because she was too good at fencing. What a shit. I want you to guess how she shut him up. She flashed him. Exactly. She took off her shirt in the middle of a crowded tavern and flashed all of them. Yes. And the crowd fell silent. I'm definitely in love with this girl. (laughs) So during this time, Julie also supposedly robbed graves on the regular. So that's also pretty dope. What? (laughs) She was a grave robber too. Just to top it all off. Just to top it, you know? Julie, what are you doing? (laughs) What isn't she doing? That's a better question. (laughs) So, once they got to Marseille, Julie joined the Marseille Opera. I think I'm still saying that, right? The internet said Marseille. I don't know. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm gonna believe you. So, once they got to that place, uh, Julie joined the That Place Opera, (laughs) where she gained- The That Place Opera. (laughs) The Marseille Opera, uh, where she gained lots of adoring fans, including a particular young woman whose name we do not know. Oh. Julie- always up for a new adventure, left Saran and fell in love with the young merchant's daughter. We stan a bisexual <gasps> badass. Oh my God. <laughs> the girl's family found out about her and Julie and they sent the girl off to a convent in Avignon. Oh my God. But Julie, being a fucking genius, was like, hey, joke's on you guys. I'm a woman too. I'm just going to go to the convent. <laughs> So she goes to the convent, finds her lady love, and they get it on in the nunnery. (gasps) They get it on in the nunnery. Can you please put that on a pillow? I will do that for you. (laughs) I need throw pillows. I have no throw pillows. It's because Matt hates throw pillows. I'm going to throw that one at him. So fucking in a nunnery can only get so exciting. So So one night after one of the elderly nuns died, and honestly, I would not be surprised if it was foul play, but we don't know how the elderly (laughs) nun died. Um, So one night after an elderly nun dies, the girls steal the body, put it in the lady love's cell as like a body double, and they burn the fucking convent down. What? They stole a dead body, put it in the girl's cell. So that people would think that the dead body was the girl. Okay. And then they escaped and they burnt down the convent. What? <laughs> but wait. Because hey. it was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do? Arsony. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, hang on. I need I need some clarification here. Uh-huh. You probably don't even have it, but I'm going to just go on this vein anyway. They found this dead body. Which, like, they would have had to either have just happened to come across her dead body first, or you're right, and it's definitely foul play. (laughs) Now, they must have, if it was foul play, they've been planning this. They were like, all right, we're just going to just kill this bitch of a nun. They probably didn't like her, I would assume. So they're going to kill her. We're going to kill this nun, and we're going to make her one of the girl's body doubles, and then burn the place down. But now only one of the girls is dead. And now one of them is missing. So and also, they, later on, th- they don't think that it's the girl. They know the girl is out there. I mean, yeah, I bet she, I bet the older woman looked nothing like, I mean. Well, they also burned the body. I mean, okay, yeah, I was, I was about to say that. <laughs> okay, you know what, I'm just gonna let you continue. I just, I needed to kind of verbalize that. If it helps at all, I think it's the night after a nun died. So I think, like, the elderly nun died, and then they probably, like, went down to the convent morgue and oh. just stole it. Oh, yeah. Well, then they, of course, people know that she wasn't her. (laughs) 
They're just rubbing it in their face that we moved a dead body. Like, yeah. <laughs> go on. So they're out living that good lesbian life on the run for three months. I know she's bi. I just liked the phrase "lesbian life on the run." Is there is there a word is there a word that for run that begins with L? On the lamb. <gasps> wow. Lesbian love on the lamb. <laughs> life on the lamb. Le- lesbian life on the lamb. Lesbian love life on the lamb. Two. Ooh, Electric boogaloo. That's a new band name. Write that down. Hell yeah, dude. Okay, so uh, they're on the run for three months. Meanwhile, Julie was sensed. So they're on the run for three months. I really want you to keep that in. <laughs> Garbage. Uh, I'm gonna it. actually, I'm gonna make it louder that. I hope you don't. <laughs> oh, I will. Okay. So they're on the run for three months. Meanwhile, Julie was sentenced to death in absentia by the parliament in province under the name Sieur de Mopin because the judges couldn't admit that a woman would be capable of burning down a convent and abducting another woman. So they changed her name to a man's name? So they sentenced her to death. In absentia means that she was not present at, like, the trial. Oh, I thought that was a place. No. Um, in absentia means, like... Trial without a body, or, like, yeah. convi- oh, conviction without... Conviction without the defendant being there. And oh, she's so not it's, there it's, to, it's like, kind of like a warrant it. for your arrest yeah. sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. So um, she's sentenced to death by the parliament in province, and they they sentence her under the name Sir de Maupin, because they didn't want to sentence her under her real name, because then they would have to admit that a woman was capable of burning down a convent. They didn't want to give the other woman ideas. Yeah. Probably. you know they want to. Pro- arson is fun. Actually, the, the um, God, what's the word? Statistics show that women are way less likely to be arsonists. Well, they're smart Arson is a very <laughs> male crime. Um, so, after months on the run with her girlfriend, Julie got bored again. <laughs> so, they broke up and the girl went back home to her family. Whoever this girl is. Whoever this, this unknown this, woman. This random merchant's daughter. Who has had a probably a thrilling three months? Yeah, summer fling, S- summer fling, burning down convents, <laughs> fucking in a nunnery, <laughs> classic summer fling. <laughs> oh yeah, other way around, but yeah, yeah. So Julie continued traveling through the countryside in men's clothes. Uh, this is an important reminder because one day she literally bumped into a young nobleman, Comte de Albert, who thought she was a man and challenged her to a duel. Another account, however, says that he recognized her as a woman, crudely came on to her, and when she wasn't interested, she ended up in a fight with him and two of his friends. Ooh. She won. Of course. Wounded him in the fight, having ran her sword clean through his shoulder. Wow. Apparently felt bad enough to visit him in the hospital, nurse him back to health, and apparently hook up with him anyway. Wow. It is said this may have been the great romance of her life. Regardless, they remained lifelong friends. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's quite a way to start a friendship. Isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure he apologized somewhere in there. Well, <laughs> he was probably she was terrified of her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just apologize so she doesn't do it again. Seriously. She's not here to nurse you I'm back sorry. to hell. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's here to keep you in check. <laughs> so um, she eventually met up with an old actor named Metacall, who taught her until his alcoholism made him stop. She found a new lover around this time, a singer named Gabriel Vincent Thevenard. They returned to Paris together, and with a death sentence still in the air, Julie tracked down her old lover, good old Count de Armanac. The wait, the tax collector? No, the Count. Oh wait, the, the guy that got him—the guy that got her to marry some guy, uh-huh. the tax collector. 
Wait, so she was in a relationship with him then? He took her as a mistress. So they were lovers when she was 14. Wow. I don't know his age. This is 17th century France. It was, a, it was, no one cared about age. <laughs> oh, that's fucked. I don't know why, but I, when, I think when you said took her as a mistress, I, I think I just translated that in my head as like, took her as a young lady. Like, like, I was like, oh, that's oh, a girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I thought you meant. I don't know why. No, they were doing know. it. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Julie was getting it from a very young age. She's getting it everywhere. She's getting it all over the place. And I'm proud of her. She just so. has to like swish her hair and swish her sword and like they come from all around. Seriously. So she tracks down the good old count and tries to convince him to arrange her pardon from oh, the death sentence. Under the fake male name. Well, she, they, they sentenced her under that name, but like she is the one that is sentenced to death. Yeah. So she went and found the count who has connections and she was like, Hey, remember me? Old time's sake, do you want to maybe get me pardoned from this death sentence? That would be super dope. <laughs> like, I please. bet that's how she talked. <laughs> <laughs> to the count, probably. Definitely. Probably had to suck up to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely sucks up then. Oh, God. Meanwhile, simultaneously, while she's talking to the count, Gabriel Vincent went to audition for the Paris Opera, where he was hired immediately. So that's the singer guy that she was friends yes. with. That's the singer guy that she's currently uh, in a relationship with. Right. Yes. So he accepted the job on the condition that they also hired Julie. Okay. So apparently Gabriel Vincent was pretty damn good because without even meeting her, the opera reluctantly agreed to his terms. And now at the age of only 17, Julie was now a member of one of the world's greatest musical companies, the Paris Opera. Holy shit. So she went before the king because, you know, she's sentenced to death uh, and she was pardoned for her crimes. Um, It is unclear whether the count ended up helping her out or if the king recognized her from her youth and just let it slide for old time's sake. Right, because she was in his court. Because she was raised in in his court, yeah. Yeah, and she did everything. Uh Uh-huh. So. Oh my god. She goes on to perform in the Paris Opera from 1690 to 1694, during which time she became a star, adored by all. Of course. And going by the name La Maupin. So And wait, hang on. So that was her original name her, or that's her tax collector that's her husband's? tax collector husband's last name. Okay. Who she is still technically married to right now. Right. And they only hung out for one day and he yeah. was like, They got Bye. married and he left the next morning for a job. I wonder what he's been doing. I don't know. Probably nothing. He does nothing. not come up again. I mean, he's <laughs> like, a tax collector, so he's probably not doing anything But she becomes a famous opera singer yeah. under his name. You're fucking welcome. Like, seriously. So, um, she later performed under the name Mademoiselle de Maupin, because this was customary of opera singers to be called Mademoiselle, whether they were married or not. Okay. Um, so all of this was accomplished before the age of 20. That's insane. All this. She's not even 20 yet. That is crazy. So during her time at the opera, another opera singer, Duminil, fuckboy extraordinaire, he starts talking shit about a number of women, including our good girl, Julie. So she, I'm sorry I called her a good girl. I don't know why I did that. I like it. (laughs) Our good girl, Julie. So, I mean, she is not a good girl she's by any means. She's a fucking queen. So she <laughs> ambushed him, stuck a sword in his face, and demanded a duel. Hell yeah. Because he was talking shit. So he refused, but Julie, being Julie, 
beat his fucking ass with a cane anyway and stole his snuff box and watch from him. Insult to injury and all that. Oh, of course. Later on, she overhears him explaining his injuries, saying that he was assaulted by a gang of thieves. <gasps> and Julie, badass lady, comes in, slams down the snuff box and the watch, calls him a lying coward, and is like, I'm sorry, who was it that beat your ass? Or at least I assume that's what she'd say. That's, that's what I would say. <laughs> so her career in Paris gets put on pause after attending a court ball. She goes in men's clothes, as she does, ends up uh, courting a lady and kissing her in the middle of the dance floor. <gasps> Wait, did the lady know that she was also a lady? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised because she's a pretty badass lady. So she kisses this woman in the middle of the dance floor. And as a consequence... Three of the men who were trying to court this woman were like, oh, fuck no. And so all three of them separately challenged Julie to a duel. I'm loving this. So she individually tells each of these noble men, she's like, you want a duel? Okay, meet me outside in 10 minutes. She tells all of them that. All three separately. So all three of them go outside and she fights them all simultaneously wins <laughs> and i'm assuming like goes home with the lady because how could she not <laughs> oh my god swept off her feet goes home with her seriously so um this is of course super badass yeah however our good friend king louis has outlawed duels oh so so julie has to flee the city once more wait did the other guys get in trouble probably fucking not probably not because they got their asses beat so I mean that's probably you guys lost enough. the no duel rule so also, you guys don't get off so also what they're they're noblemen so like yeah that's what I was thinking too they probably like, got off easy because mm-hmm. they're rich they're, white boys rich white boys don't get <laughs> shit as we've been attacking recently mm-hmm. so she flees the city once more and ends up in Brussels the first place I can say confidently Brussels <laughs> Sprout. <laughs> Bruxelles. So she ends up in Brussels where she finds yet another lover. Oh, wait, can I guess the gender? You may. All right. Why don't you look me in the eye real quick? Man. Yes, it is. It's yeah! Man. He is the elector of Bavaria. So she, she keeps getting these, like, high-stationed men. So the elector of Bavaria. By the way, when I say yet another, I am in no way shaming this woman. If anything, I'm in love with her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm so goddamn impressed. awesome. (laughs) But anyway, she's loving up on the elector. And at some point, I guess during another performance, because she also performs in Brussels, Mm -hmm. she, being method, stabbed herself on stage with a real dagger. And um, at that point, the elector figured that she was maybe a bit too much to handle for him. (laughs) She was too extra. He literally offered her 40,000 francs. To just leave him alone. <laughs> Whoa, how do you have the conversion? So that's about $41,906. In American uh, money. In American money, yes. Just to leave him alone. She must have been really messing with him. <laughs> that's she a was lot just of money. A lot. So uh, Julie's a stubborn queen and she don't take no bribes. So she <laughs> throws the coin purse at the feet of his emissary and just leaves for Madrid. She's like, fuck you, I don't need your money. <laughs> she just throws it at him and goes to Madrid. Yeah, she's like, you could have just said, leave me alone. Yeah. You don't have to fucking bribe me. It's just, it's, I have the question of, like, has this happened to you before? 
Have you had to bribe women to leave you alone? Do you think you're that fucking important? He probably does. He's the elector of Bavaria. What does that even do? Who knows? So, in Madrid... (laughs) I'm glad we both don't give a shit. Continue. In Madrid, Julie got a job as a maid to Countess Marino, who was a bitch. Or at least Julie thought so, because she resented the woman so much that one night before a grand ball, she put a bunch of radishes in the Countess's hair. When she was, like, doing her hair for the ball, she put a bunch of radishes in there so that everyone but the Countess could see them. Um, what a great prank. And being an intelligent prankster, Julie was on the road back to Paris before the Countess could return to punish her. (laughs) She arrived back in Paris and was immediately put on trial for the duels that she fled because of. Oh, of course. Where she was again pardoned, this time by the Monsieur, the king's brother. Wow! And he was at the ball where she fought these men and apparently found it so entertaining that he just let it go. Oh my god. He was like, hey, it was pretty dope. <laughs> you pardoned. <laughs> Those three assholes? Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> um, so she's back in Paris now. She returns to the opera and performs on stage and at functions for the court at Versailles. So she's back in Versailles. Yes, so she... Oh, no, no, no. More, it was... Hmm. She's performing on stage for the Paris Opera, mm-hmm. but she also performs at functions for the court of Versailles, where she was raised. Oh, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pronounced Mercy. No. Marseille is, Marseille. A, is a different city. Oh, okay. Marseille is where she ran off to with uh, Saran, the swordsman. Right, okay. But See, Versailles is where she grew up. Okay. So she performs... On stage and at the court of Versailles, where she grew up, and she even introduced the Italian idea of the contralto voice to France. What's that? It's like a voice part. It's like alto, but different. I guess contralto would be some sort of alto subsection, yeah, because it's in the name. That makes sense. Go on. Okay. So, (laughs) introduce the Italian idea of the contralto voice to France. Um, This next part was so rapid fire, I'm just going to read it verbatim from the article. Um, All right. Let me adjust. Yep. Oh, uh, my back is sweaty. By the way, I got... Mo- me- I'm so sweaty. By the way, I got most of this from an article by Kelly Gardner. I'm gonna do a little bibliography at the end. Oh, cute. Okay. Um, so this is verbatim from Kelly Gardner's... From Kelly Gardner... <laughs> I'm making editing a fucking nightmare for you. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> so this is verbatim from an article by Kelly Gardner. Okay. Quote... She defended chorus girls against lecherous barons and pompous tenors, became infatuated with the soprano Fanchon Moreau, tried to kill herself, threatened to blow the Duchess of Luxembourg's brains out, and ended up in court for attacking her landlord. She and Thevenard remained best of friends until her retirement, although they also had some infamous spats, and one evening on stage she bit his ear so hard he bled. Wow. It's just a little overlook of things that happened at the opera. You know, she's sounding more and more like she's got some sort of anger issue going on. <laughs> I still love her. Oh, I still love her. I'm <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm just, you know, breaking down the psychology of this woman. I can't yeah. help it. Yeah. So through all of this, the brawls, duels, high profile affairs with women and men alike, dressing like a man and swordplay, the crowds adored her and so do I. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, did you really write that in your I notes? <laughs> to conclude this research paper. <laughs> I love her. So, in 1703, Julie fell in love once again with Madame Le Marquis de Florensac. I'm sorry to anyone who does French good. Um, Wait, can uh, about how old is she? At this point, Julie? Mm-hmm. Julie is about 28. No. And she's already retired from something? Oh, wait. That, just, that no. just means she quit. She retired from something. Go on. She hasn't retired quite yet. Okay. She retires in 1705. Oh. So, um, in 1703, Julie fell in love once again. Wow. Once again. <laughs> Why you just vomit at your computer? Because <laughs> I'm upset with myself because I can't talk. <laughs> so, in 1703, Julie fell in love once again with Madame la Marquise de Florensac, a woman dubbed the most beautiful woman in France, so beautiful that she once had to flee to Brussels for several years because the Dauphine, or the eldest son of the king, was so obsessed with her. This is like Helen of Troy level of like beautiful woman. Okay. Um, she was one of the most famous, wealthy, and well-connected women in France, and reportedly the two women lived in perfect harmony for two years until Florensac died of a fever. Oh, uh, Julie was so distraught by this that now, in 1705, at the age of 30, she retired from the opera and entered a convent yet again. However, this time, instead of burning it down, she lived the next three years in the nunnery until she died at age 33 of unknown causes. Wow. And that is the rousing story of Julie de Aubigny, or Mademoiselle de Maubin. That's so crazy. Her her like crazy journey begins and ends in a nunnery. Which is just so unexpected, truly. I thought the nunnery was just going to be like a, you know, a one-off. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. What a badass. What a badass lady. Where did you hear of this? Um, I heard of her first in, like, passing um, in an episode of the Cracked Podcast live. Okay. And that was, like, bullet points. And I was like, oh, I need to know more. Uh, so I found an article by Kelly Gardner. There's actually a book that Kelly Gardner wrote called Goddess that is based on Julie. Oh, but it's like a fictional, you know, she uses like Julie's real name and everything, or is it? Um, based on the life. Swordswoman, opera singer, occasional nun, and 17th century superstar. (laughs) Truly, truly occasional nun. It happened twice. Yeah. Well, shit. She's cool, man. Right? Wow, awesome. what a great story. Yeah, Julie Dalbigny, my woman crush Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I think she's my woman crush for at least the rest of the month. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty awesome. Well, thanks, man. You're welcome. That was a dope-ass story. I agree. It was a dope-ass story. And thank you guys for listening. Again, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're still here. Yeah, thanks for tuning in and, and turning up. We hope you guys continue to listen. We hope we continue to entertain. You can find us on Instagram at WonderBingePod. You can find us on Twitter, also at WonderBingePod. Which I have not been doing anything on Twitter. So we should probably fix that. We should probably fix uh, Let me know what you want to see on Twitter, because I don't actually know what to post. Also, if there's anything else you'd like posted on Instagram. So far, we have been doing images related to the episodes. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see anything else, behind the scenes stuff, notes stuff. Questions, suggestions, comments. Yeah, you can email us at wonderbingepod at gmail.com. Um, we're always open to suggestions of topics. And thanks again.
We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.